you are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Friday, July 15th, midway through July, and we have another episode of The Issue here. Great one, too. We are heating up, getting closer to football season. So we have another divisional prediction coming up today, the AFC West. That will be in the second segment, along with all the superlatives. Are there are there 30 or 31 are there 30 or 31 days in July? 31, I want to say. Here, I'll skip to it. Check the calendar. 31. 30. 31. 31. Okay, so, you know, if you're listening to this at, what, noon on the 15th, we're halfway? Or no? Yes. No. Around halfway. Or would it be at midnight? No, 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 it'd be at noon. It'd be at noon on the 15th. We'd be halfway right? through. I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Either way, I'm, we're halfway I'm through July-ish. Um... Great episode. We're going to start out a little different today. Tim's going to start with his rant. Uh, then we're going to get into hits and misses in the first segment as well, but it will be on the back end uh, of the first segment today. Like I said, in the second segment, we'll have the divisional predictions for the AFC West and then the superlative. So MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Breakout Player, and the Coach of the Division uh, for the AFC West there in the second segment. And then to finish things out in the third segment, we will have our fourth installment of the top 25 quarterbacks of the last 50 years this time doing numbers 10 through 6 so it should be a pretty good show we got a lot to get to and um, you know a lot's been happening in the league right Baker gets traded a lot of question marks with some quarterbacks Jimmy Garoppolo has been a guy that's been talked about pretty frequent uh, frequently throughout the week I've heard uh, rumblings of him maybe going to Seattle I know you came in today you had a couple thoughts and opinions on that yeah I did um so yeah, we'll just jump into that. Jimmy G report is that, uh, you know, San Francisco is interested and entertaining the idea of trading him in division, which is normally a a no-no per se in the NFL. It's, no, it's not teams normally usually, something that you do, right? Teams usually avoid that. Right. Um, so people in life, especially businesses, right, they'll tell you one thing and they do another, right? Everyone knows, you know, they always call them, well, they're backstabbers or whatever, right? A lot of people do it. It's, it's the way of the world, right? Whether it's for money or for optics, whatever. It's exactly what the 49ers are doing with Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. That, that's exactly what I think is happening. Like I said, report out San Francisco interested and entertaining the idea of trading Jimmy G in division to Seattle. That's telling you a couple things. I'll tell you both. One, the Niners have little to no faith in the staff and the structure of Seattle post-Russell Wilson to be competent regardless of who's at quarterback. I mean, they, 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 they think Seattle is a tire fire. Is what they're telling you. They said, you know what? We'll take the quarterback that we got to the Super Bowl with. You can have him in your in the same division as us, and we don't think it's going to come back to bite us. I mean, they're not dumb, right? Pete Carroll's seventy. He's aging. Hasn't looked good the past couple years. They've gone through what two to three OCs in the last five years. Their offensive line's rebuilding, but it's not good. They have no pass rush, an overpaid secondary, a GM that's been kind of walked over by Pete Carroll. Not a lot of whole, not a whole lot of structure in the organization. I mean, though their weapons are good, they're not special. But remember this, this is a team who has played, right, the Niners are a team who's played them twice a year for what, like a half century now? I don't know how long they've been in the same division. A long time. As long as I can remember. What, 20 years? At least. Probably more. You know, they, they get it. It's, it's telling you something else, though, which I think is even more interesting. I think, two, number two, the Niners are telling you that they don't think Jimmy G is going to get his revenge. They don't have faith in Jimmy G to get his revenge. I think they're they're really appreciative of what Jimmy G did, right? He's been a solid quarterback, gone to a Super Bowl, only traded a you know a second round pick for him. But are they are they crazy to maybe think you know that Jimmy G has seen his last you know fantastic high level like winning type season? I don't think they're crazy. I mean they they know how frequently he's hurt. I mean seriously, trust him. You know tr- trust them. They paid him a fortune. He's been healthy for what like two seasons. He's good when he's healthy. Who knows when that's going to That's a coin flip. It's been almost every other year. He's healthy. He's not. He's healthy. He's not. It's basically like a coin flip going into the season. Are we going to have Jimmy for 14-plus games? I don't know. Ask Siri. You know what I mean? Hey, Siri, flip a coin. Right? I mean, seriously. 
Uh, are they going to go all in on on a, on a coin flip? I mean, doubtful. Right, Montana at the end wasn't bad, but you know you had to move on and let Steve Young kind of flourish. Now, obviously, you know Montana and and Jimmy G are completely different, right? Jimmy G is nowhere close to Montana, and I don't think Lance is going to be Steve Young. But you get the point. Who knows if Lance can be Steve Young? If you sit here with a with an overpaid, older aging hurt quarterback as opposed to moving off for the young guy, right? I really do think that the Niners privately, or even after, you know, Jimmy G's gone or whatever, they'll tell you if he lasted, if they, you know, theoretically, right, you ask him, hey, if Jimmy G lasts another five years, I think they'd tell you, yeah, maybe, maybe for two of them, he's healthy. Maybe. Two and a half. Being generous. I think they can live with that. I, I really think they can. I think, you know, hey, we deal him in division. We got to deal with him for another five, six years max. How many of those years is he actually healthy? And coupled with my first reasoning, the, the fact that they have no faith in Seattle to make anything work, they're probably sitting there saying, try Jimmy G there, you know, people are talking about five years is going to last. Yeah. Be lucky if he puts up with two in Seattle, right? Russ was there for, what, 10 years? I think three years in, he was like, dude, this place is a mess. Like Jimmy G probably won't last five years there. Plus, with the bad offensive line, he's not mobile. He's kind of a younger, more progressive offensive guy, right? Likes the whole West Coast system. Pete Carroll couldn't be more opposite of that. You think he's going to last five years? You think he's going to do well enough to last five years? No. No, they'll probably fire Pete by then and completely rebuild, draft another quarterback. So they trade him. He's there for two years. He's healthy for maybe one. He's coming off shoulder surgery. Who knows what that looks like? And I don't think it's crazy. I think people are like, oh, you know, you just trade him in division. That's, that's terrible. To a team that's been better than you for six out of the last ten years. No, no, no. That team hasn't been better than San Francisco for the last ten years. Russell Wilson's been better than that team for the last ten years. He's not there anymore. I don't think it's crazy. I really don't. And I think, I think what the Niners are doing by privately having conversation with Seattle is telling you exactly what I just said. One, that the Niners have little faith in Seattle to put the pieces together, even with Jimmy G. And two, they don't really have a whole lot of faith in Jimmy G to go there and be the missing piece that they need. Because they know he's frequently hurt. They know he makes some poor decisions with the football. I mean, look at the pick to end their season last year. He's spinning around, flips it backhanded like that. Interception at the goal line in his own, in his own, in his own territory. Right? People always talk about the throw down the field in the Super Bowl. How about the fact that he threw a pick? When you zoom in on his helmet, his eyes were closed. In the Super Bowl. Like, so, he makes bad decisions sometimes. And I'm a Jimmy G fan. Right? The Niners get it. They understand that this might not actually come back to bite us quite as bad as we think. I don't know, that's just my two cents on the situation. I don't think it's as as taboo or as much of an issue as some, you know, old heads might make. Oh, you can't trade him in division. We're not trading Patrick Mahomes in division. Right, we're not. We're not saying, "Hey, right, you're not New trading. England. Do you want Josh Allen?" Yeah. Right, like you're yeah. not trading him to a well-oiled machine. You're not trading a an all a generational top, talent, a top-notch quarterback in the league. Right, you're trading a bridge guy to a dysfunctional organization. Okay, yeah, I 100% agree with that. My take on this, I do agree with most of the things you said, if not all. But to look at Jimmy G as an option to bring him in into a Seattle. So you look at this from the flip perspective now. I think Jimmy G would probably be the best option for Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the trade works. I mean, Drew Locke is not the guy. No. And I would say if you're ranking bridge quarterbacks in the NFL, I would have to say Jimmy G would be at the very top of the list. Number one. Absolutely. Um, he's been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he threw a pick with his eyes closed in the Super Bowl, but he's... Didn't play got, terrible, though, outside of that. got a team to the Super Bowl. I think Seattle would be thrilled to have any type of quarterback that is of that caliber and has that much experience after moving off of a Russell Wilson, right? You don't want to go from a Russ to a Drew Locke. That step would be drastic, right? That That's a huge change. You can't even compare those two in the same ballpark. But a Russ to a Jimmy G, a guy who's done there, who's a little more seasoned, a veteran... I think that would be a really smart move for Seattle. Now, I don't think that Jimmy G has many healthy years left. I agree. Two, two and a half, three if we want to get crazy, crazy generous. Because this guy has been injured for like... A lot of years. A, big, a large percentage of his uh, career. 
Um, so I definitely think the injuries are a question mark. Definitely something to look out for and a concern. Not to mention, I mean, Jimmy G, let's see here. He is like a very quiet, like what, 34? Oh, he's 30. Okay, but still, right? He sat the first, what, four years of his career. Like people were like, oh, he's only been a starter for four years. Yeah, but he sat the first, what, four to five years of his Behind career. Who? Right? Behind who? Tom Brady. Exactly. So right. how much experience and just I mean, a overall lot of knowledge of the game we, did you pick up from learning from a Tom a Brady? Yeah, probably a lot. But at the end of the day, and his age is his age, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Our two cents on the situation. So, so yes or no question real quick. Do you think Jimmy G ends up in Seattle? Do you think it works? Do you think it, do you think it works? I think if it happens, it does work. To an extent. I think it works for what Seattle's expecting this year. I don't think they're expecting a run to the playoffs and going deep into the playoffs. But I do think it works for them to get a little bit better than 4-13. and I think if this trade goes through, we adjust and revise our NFC West predictions just a little bit. I don't think it pushes them up to a, to a three spot in the division. But I definitely think it changes their record from 4-13. and I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think... Definitely, Jimmy G makes them a better than a four and thirteen team. No, I have my grievances about the, the the squad in in Seattle, right? Like I said, offensive line is rebuilding, getting better, still not good. Yeah. And like I said, the weapons are probably a little bit overrated, but they're not bad. Right? People have them as like a top three to four. You know, him and uh, Metcalf and and Lockett, they have them as like a top four to five duo. Right. Don't agree with that. No. Th- top ten, yeah, which is still good, right? Solid. And like I said, very over, overpaid secondary, but let's not act like Jamal Adams isn't a good player. So I think Jimmy G would make them better than four and thirteen. Yeah. How much better and is it worth it is probably the question for Seattle. And like I said, I don't think San Francisco minds trading him in division for reasons that we obviously just discussed. So. Exactly. Um, but it is time to get into hits and misses. Uh, go over where we hit, where we missed. Uh, as a show, we got a lot of good ones this week. So let's go hits and misses. So. This show as a whole, and, and myself included, are kind of new into the NBA uh, opinion business, right? I've been watching it for a while. Definitely the playoffs. I've been watching the playoffs for, you know, 10 years now. As soon as playoff time rolls around, it's, uh, there's almost nothing else I'd rather watch. We're kind of starting get, to get into the, the opinions, you know, get, having more high-level opinions about it, kind of like we do about the NFL. Yes. Um, but there's one thing I've always really said, is that there's just way too much drama in it, right? There's just way, way too much drama, Right. When LeBron switched teams, he had a press conference. And, you know, it's great, great in front of, like, what, kids or whatever. He had at a kid's school. Great. Probably raised money for the school. I think it was for charity. That's fine. When an NFL guy switches teams, it's just, hey, Schefter reports. You know, they're at their villa in the Hamptons or whatever, and Schefter just reports it. Like, it's just, yeah, it just, it's not as much drama and as much high maintenance, right? I mean, imagine the NFL just caving to players, letting stars not play, force their way out of, you know, out of teams, demand a trade, like, every year. It's, it's just ridiculous it with the NBA. It would be madness like, if that I, happened in any other league. I mean, look, the, I like John Wall. I used to have his shoes, right? I mean, the good old Zigtecs, right? Customizing yeah. and everything, right? I used to love him. I, I still, love John I, Wall. I still think he's a good player, right? Aging, but still not bad, right? My Kentucky guy. He got paid last year to not play in yeah. Houston. Houston paid him not to play on their team. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And so, um, I think I really, really enjoy the sport of basketball. There's some things about the biggest league of basketball, the NBA. Yeah. I have some grievances with the league. I think the sport's great, and that's why I'm gonna, we're going to start covering it a little bit more. I just, I mean, it's kind of drama. Is just kind of like much. baseball. We love the sport, but I think the league makes some bad decisions and goes down some wrong turns every now and again. That right. if they would correct a few things, I think it would make it better. Uh, NBA playoffs are absolutely entertaining, but there are little minute things throughout the structure of the league that, if were changed, I think would make for a better product. One hundred percent. Like I, I love baseball. Is my favorite sport. First of all, to play and to actually sit down in person and watch yeah. and, and pick apart the little tiny inner workings of it and be at the park. My for favorite. Yeah. And I would love for this. You know how it's mostly football. I'd love for this to be mostly baseball. Here's the thing. It is so hard to keep track of a 162 game season and do have and have a life. Like it ha- you can't have a life. No. No. I mean, you are nine hours a day, just. Right. I mean, just all day, every day, trying to keep up with it, and for what? They're not. They're not the most prominent league. Exactly. Doesn't make sense. All right, miss number one. Um. So I said it first. Luke agreed. The pen should have moved off Malkin. I think I had this opinion last year uh, in the playoffs. Right. I said I said we should deal him while the price was kind of high within the last year or so. Right. This off season, we um, 
we also said that he shouldn't get re-signed, right? I, I think we need to allocate that money to probably another defenseman, maybe another winger, not another aging center to go along with Crosby, who's an aging center, and what, Jeff Carter, who's an aging center. Right. Or like, I didn't think another aging center was the right move with that $6 million a year. Yeah. Not what the team needed, but like I said, re-signed for, excuse me, four years, $6 million a year. We'll see how it goes. We were wrong. We, we said we wouldn't sign him. He gets signed. I think in the long haul, we'll probably be right by saying yeah. it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Turns the puck over too much for my liking. And that's four more years of that. My opinion on this, when I saw it come out, I was... There were two emotions. One, I was kind of happy and kind of satisfied because, you know, Gino finishing out his career in Pittsburgh... And, and sticking with the team, it's great for optics. It's great for the team, for for fans. But I'm not sure it's the best thing for the level of hockey and the brand of hockey that they want to build. Uh, the Penguins are generally a very fast, electric, young team that moves the puck, that ha- can outskate you, dump and chase. Malkin doesn't do very much of that anymore. He's older. He's slower. He's not as strong. He's very injury prone. I think if anything, you just signed your way into a four-year contract with somebody that's going to be in the garage getting maintenance done more often than he's actually on the ice helping you. Yeah. Um, but overall, the optics for the fans for Pittsburgh, it's great to have Malkin, Latang, and Crosby back together and all retire as Penguins. That's cool, but I think for the level of hockey you want, I don't think it's the right move. I agree. I think if you do want this to work, you're going to have to sit him down and have a talk and be like, hey, you know, your role has to be decreased, yeah. right? You're good in certain scenarios, right? You're not the guy who's going to Superman through five defenders anymore. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe once or twice a game, that's possible. Other than that, we've got to play a good role. we got to take care of the puck, be a distributor, all that type of stuff. Yeah. All right, hit number two. Um, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, Chad Holmgren hasn't exactly you – know, he had a good, good first game. I think he's been exactly what I said he'd be. I said he'd be about 12 to 14 points a game, you know, five, six, maybe seven rebounds a game, five assists, hurt often. Yeah. Well, through three summer league games, that's almost exactly what he's been. He looked great and then looked really bad and then didn't play because he was hurt slash tired slash it was a precautionary measure because he's young. Mm. I get that. That's fine, whatever. I mean, like, you don't see, like, a big-bodied, like, dude, you know. Paolo Boncaro is probably going to play almost all of them, right? He's not going to be like, oh, we have to take like a rest game, like a fatigue right. not game. Not many days off on that end. Right, and so it's just, that's exactly what I said he'd be. He, he, you're going to get a lot of really good, you're going to get a lot of really bad, and then you're going to get a lot of, we have no idea because he's hurt. It's exactly what he's been through three games. Yep. Exactly what he's been. All right, missed number two. Um, I thought at one point in my life that Bill Belichick was probably like the best coach I've ever seen, and, uh, and maybe he is, but oh my Good Lord, is he maybe the worst GM slash de facto president of football operations that I've ever seen. Um, you know, they just traded Nikhil Harry, who he actually selected in the first round above, you know, uh, oh, there, I wish I had the tweet up. He got drafted above, I think it was like Hunter Renfro, Debo Samuel, like A.J. Brown, like a bunch of, a bunch of dudes. Stars. Ball, Terry McLaurin, like a bunch of studs. Well, they just traded him for like a fifth-round pick because he's not been good. Um, and that's just kind of the epitome of what Bill Belichick's been post-Brady and kind of the last like five to ten years where he's had so much power, he's making all the decisions now, and it's not been going well. Well, that's what I was going to say. He needs to learn how to surrender power and how to appoint people that he can trust to do the drafting, to do the scouting and all the analytics. You can't do everything as an NFL head coach. Your yep. job title is already gigantic. You have so many things to balance and do. Um, I think drafting would be a good thing to you know surrender to a GM. Couldn't agree <laughs> more. Somebody that knows what they're doing. You look around at like the Steelers. Surround the Steelers find star wide receivers in the fifth and sixth round almost every year. You get them from like Toledo, Kent right. State, wherever Deontay Johnson came from. Just. Right. Random places. Right. And, and, and it works because they have guys that do that. Bill Belichick needs to surrender power. Um, hit number three, when the Pirates uh, hired Derek Shelton, I said they're probably not going to win a whole lot. But, damn, they're going to go out. They're going to play hard. They're going to probably outplay some expectations. Yeah. Um, they're definitely going to play hard for for Derek Shelton. He's kind of a guy's guy, right? Someone that you want to play hard for. You want to almost make him proud in a weird way. But, um, and they, they, they really, really are. I mean, we were spot on there. So they're third in the division. They're like, what, 11 out, which isn't terrible. Um, they're playing hard. They're in a lot of baseball games. They're playing scrappy. I mean, hell, they swept the Dodgers in L.A. I mean, I think he's a damn good coach, and I think they play really hard for him. I'm, I, I really like the hire so far. Dare I say they're moving in the right direction? 
I think so. I think they're taking some steps, and I heard that they denied trades right before the deadline here. Um, there were some trades proposed for Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz. Um, and yeah, unless we're getting, like, what? Uh, right, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. They said they were some pretty, like, like good trades that the Pirates GM has turned down. So at least we're trying to, like, retain some of the talent as in years huh. past we just ship them off to all the better cities. Right. Um, so they're definitely, I think, taking steps in the right direction here. Could agree more. Uh, miss number three, Heinz Field has officially Ugh. been – the naming rights have been bought by Acrisure Insurance Company. So it will now be – not Heinz Field, it will be Acrisure Stadium. Michigan-based insurance company. Ending the, what, 20-year run that Heinz had on that stadium. I thought the Steelers were That's really high on, they were high on tradition and everything like that. That's what we've always said. Here they are selling out to a Michigan insurance company that now owns the naming rights. And, I mean, I didn't even think about this. I talked to my mother about this, and she goes, isn't there, like, UPMC in Pittsburgh who's, like, kind of big into insurance? And I go, didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like that's a U.S. Steel's a big uh, you know Pittsburgh-based company that would have the capital to buy it. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. I'll still call it Heinz Field. Uh, I never thought I'd see the day, but here we are, Acrisure Stadium. It's really, really unfortunate. I'm still calling it Heinz. I refuse to call it Acrisure. The only thing that's funny about Acrisure is it's going to be hysterical to go downtown and uh, hear hear the drunk Yenzers. All the different names for the stadiums that they the sure the acrishar yeah, acupuncture gonna, stadium yeah, yeah. they're gonna they're, <laughs> they're gonna butcher it and and deservedly so it's gonna be good I'm hoping I hear Heinz more than I do acrishar I'm going and Heinz. I still think that I'm going to yeah it's it's Heinz Field that's good and that's not changing but uh, that was hits and misses that was the first segment on the other side of the break we will have all of the AFC West predictions and superlatives for you um, so don't go anywhere you're not gonna want to miss that. What is up? We are back, guys. Second segment here on the issue. Sorry, I had my notes still out. What a scrud. What do I think I'm doing out of here? I got all Just a disorganized mess. Yeah, it really we is. Are, we are an organized disorganized, <laughs> but it's fine. A little bit rainy here this week. About time. Um, it feels good to, to have a little bit of rain finally. Not um, bad. You got to water the crops, as they, as they used to say. You know what I mean? Either way. Um, it's the issue second segment here on what Friday the fifteenth already of yeah. July. Uh, yeah, we case. are we are midway through. We said it in the beginning, kind of nuts. I mean, this month is flying by. I feel like we were just introing. You know, or we had a show on July first. Uh, feels like it was like a week ago. So it really does. Uh, time is moving. We are getting closer to what we do best here on the show, which is the NFL season and getting through all of the predictions for each week and, and reviewing everything, giving bets. We'll have a great uh, betting segment to come uh, this fall. We're going to install that. So a lot to look forward to. Another thing we are always looking forward to are our divisional predictions. Uh, we do them every year. About about nine to ten weeks out of the season. That way we do one division per week and then give ourselves a week or two buffer before the season. Right. Um because you don't want to be doing the, the last one, right? The first game's on Thursday. We, re- we release our episodes on Friday. We don't want to be releasing. So how, would, how, how much would that not work? You, know, right. what I, you at, know what I mean? At that point, I mean, if we had one of those teams that was in that last division that we had not yet right. predicted, that's not a prediction. Also, also we will we'll alter when we release them, probably. Um, you know, because we're going to we're gonna have to figure out what works with the NFL season. But that's besides the point. You, Nice. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, so without further ado, let's just get into it. I feel like the more we talk, you know, we're we're gonna we're I'm knocking papers over. We're knocking we're gonna stuff have over. Stuff at the studio is gonna be falling apart here. So let's start. This will probably come all... down. The desk is gonna fall apart. My right. computer's gonna blow up into smoke. So let's get this done with. Yeah. Before we combust. Without further ado, we have <laughs> AFC West divisional predictions. Let's go. All right. So we always start at the bottom. If you're new to here, we start in the fourth place uh, position and work our way up. And number four, let's go with the Raiders. I, 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 nine and eight feels right to me. I think it's going to be the best fourth place team of all time. I really mean it. Um, go find me another fourth place team who's had a top ten quarterback in the league, a top three to five wide receiver, Devonta Adams, uh, a pass rush that's probably going to be top five to ten. Now they added Chandler Jones. Um, but here's what worries me. The coaching staff's unproven. The last time McDaniels was a head coach, didn't go well. He thought Tebow was the future of the league. Oof. How'd that work out, right? Not Anyone right. whose judgment is that, I question. Um, it was not good. The first time as a head coach, there was a lot of drama, a lot of controversy, not a lot of good football decisions. And historically, 
do we really trust the Raiders? You know what I mean? Not they, 100%. Right, right. The last 25 years, they've been one of the worst franchises in football, plain and simple. And unfortunately for Derek Carr, who I'm a huge fan of, when Russell Wilson's healthy, he's the fourth best quarterback in that division. Yeah. And even when Russ isn't healthy, well, I, you know, it, even even best aside, right, stats, you know, best, most winning court, just talent-wise, he's the fourth best quarterback, and it's 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 not really that close. No. I think what sets him apart is his leadership, his grit, his ability to come back and win, all super important. But if we're looking at pure talent, he's the fourth best quarterback quarterback in the division. Which and is, if Russ is healthy, he might be the fourth most winning quarterback in the division. Yeah. It's not good. No, it isn't. Um, the thing with him that worries me is just like, I feel like he might get, like feel like he's sinking to the bottom, even though in any other division... That's a top one or two quarterback. Like, no matter how you cut it. Yeah. Does he want to sit in a division? And this is obviously a prediction for a couple years out and something that we had and that we missed on in the past. Does he want to sit in a division where he's going to be the fourth best for the foreseeable future? I mean, do you see him with a higher ceiling than Mahomes and Herbert? We went through the divisions, and we said he'd be the best quarterback in about two or three divisions, and he'd be the second best in the rest of them. So So, outside of this one, but no. Either way, it's not really a knock on the Raiders just as much as it is the rest of the division is that good. Yes. Uh, number three, going to kind of ruffle some feathers here, the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. Look, I don't. I think they'll be 12-5, and five, maybe 11-6, and six, right? I think they're going to take a mini step back. Still probably going to make the wild card, right? I think it's them and the team we have right above them that are probably going to be two of the three wild card teams. Depending on how the rest of the, uh, the AFC shakes out, could we get the first, fourth place team as a wild card as well? I mean, you never know, but I think the Chiefs will make a wild card game. Losing Tyreek Hill is going to be tough, though. And I think they're not going to get as many free, open touchdowns, right? They're not going to be able to come back in 13 seconds due to Tyreek's you know, unbelievable speed. Um, it's going to be more difficult and a little choppier on the offense. And I think for that reason, that lands them in third. No, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be... Bad by any means. Bad at all this year. But I think... Uh, Slight I think, step back. I think that, yes, the Chiefs are going to take a step back. But they're not going to be utterly horrendous they're still going to be able to i mean patrick mahomes is the type of quarterback that's going to be able to elevate a a number five receiver and make him look like a number three guy uh that's what patrick mahomes does i mean he's an elite arm talent and you could bring you know a a rookie wide receiver out i feel like and with him throwing the ball he's going to look good he's going to make him look really good so i don't think losing a weapon like tyreek hill is going to be earth shattering for the chiefs but i don't think it's exactly going to be great. Like you said, there's a lot of free touchdowns where he goes over the top, where it's just gimme plays. Like the meme where it's like, you know, F it, Tyreek's down there somewhere. Right. That's not necessarily going to be you valid don't, You don't anymore. have your safety valve anymore. He was the biggest right. safety valve to bail out Mahomes whenever he was I in trouble. I would say maybe outside of Kelsey, but yeah. no, I mean, the Super Bowl, when they were in trouble and they needed a big play, it was what, like third and like 18 or something like that, and they dialed one up to Tyreek, right? And that was when he's backpedaling and just chucks it. Yeah. And, and, and there, Tyreek makes a play on the ball. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And there's drives where he'll just go, Tyreek, 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 like yep. four or five plays in a row, end zone. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like I said, by, you know, the if they lose five or six games, I think they're all going to be coin flip one possession games. So they could end up being nine and eight because they lose a bunch of those close games or they could end up being 14 and three because they win a bunch of those close games it just depends on how they play in the fourth quarter mostly good i think they'll go more 50 50 on those games our right, number two, let's go with the Broncos, also at 12-5. and five. Um, So we have them tied, but we have the Broncos at a 4-2 and two divisional record, while Casey's a 3-3. Three and three. I think they split with every team. So a slight edge to uh, to Denver. I think Russ returns to MVP form. I mean, really, I think he does. Uh, I think the weapons are solid. Defensive line is stacked. The secondary is fast, getting better. They have two good backs. A new, a young offensive coach who, by all accounts, I think he's going to be super creative, finally going to, quote, let Russ cook, like they've been saying for mm-hmm. years. Um... I, I really think Russ could be comeback player of the year. I, I, I see it. If he if he's not MVP, who he's not my pick for MVP, but if he if he's not going to be MVP, he'll be probably comeback player of the year. Russ finally has the pieces around him to help him out and aid him a little bit. He didn't have any talent around him in Seattle, and I think a lot of people forget about that when they are judging Russ on the past four to five years previous. Uh, he hasn't had anything going for him. Pete Carroll has kept him on such a tight leash through the first half of the game, and then when everything starts going bad, he gives Russ, like, hey, man, here's the keys, by the way. It's the third quarter. We don't have any timeouts left. Go win us a game. You go save us. Um, right. So I think having more of a functional team around him in Denver is going to be great for him. 
yeah, couldn't agree more. Number one, let's go with the Chargers, 13-4. and four. I, I, I am all aboard the hype train for um, for LA. I think Justin Herbert's my pick for MVP. I mean, seriously. Not to mention, um, I love what they've done by adding Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. With Justin Herbert and that offense, you're going to have a lead in, so what, they play 17 games now? In 13 of 17 games. You got you to gotta protect it. Yeah. So what do we need? If you're leading in a game, what's the other team going to do? Throw the football. How do you stop guys from throwing the football all over you? You get a pass rush and you get an elite corner. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, welcome to the squad. Um, I, I think they have two to three good backs, a decent line, great weapons, a solid defense, and, and Herbert is my pick for MVP, the best player in football, easily. And like you said before we started recording here, when's the last time Khalil Mack had a Joey Bosa that he's going with? Yeah. When, when has that been a pair? Uh, let me answer that. Never. So this is going to be so interesting to watch. Have we heard much of Bud Dupree since he left TJ Watt? No. No, thank you. You know, because they worked really, really well together, right? There's no, there's a reason that Alex Highsmith was able to step in and be just as good for the Steelers, right? Yeah. Same idea. When you're next to greatness, it's much it easier to be you. great. Because you don't – look, you can't double Khalil Mack anymore. No. Because, because then you have, you have Joey Bosa, Bosa on the other side. unprotected coming through the other way. So you're going to have to keep in six or like, you're going to have to keep in six guys in protection if you want to help both of the tackles on those yeah. guys. Which yeah. means you have nobody out. You have less people out in coverage. And oh, by the way, you know you have J.C. Jackson on the back. Which end. I'm going to say it right now. I or think you have less people out in routes. I'm sorry. And you have J.C. Jackson in coverage. I think this is going to be the best pass rush, best defensive line in the NFL. I think, I think maybe, maybe be not close. best defensive line, but I'm going to say most sacks and most. Uh, disruptions in the NFL from this line. That's a good prediction. I, I like I, that. I mean, I kind of agree. Yeah. Um, you know, they have our defensive player of the year for this division, so, you know, we might as well just transition right into that. Let's get into uh, some superlatives for the AFC West. Let's go into the superlatives for the AFC West. We're going to do the MVP, the Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, the Breakout Player, and the Coach uh, for the AFC West and you know how they uh, the, the just the best of those spots so without further ado let's go so we're gonna start with MVP right so we're gonna give you one based on how the league awards its league MVP and then one based on how we would award the MVP which is the most valuable player right you right. take that player off that team how is that team doing you know what I mean the most value in a player most likely they're gonna drop so what you let's go with MVP so what you see here is Justin Herbert that would be my pick for how the league awards it. Best statistical player, uh, usually the most. They display some some of the most talent in the league, right? Yes. Like Rodgers, like yeah, they were the one seed, got knocked out in the playoffs, but he throws a beautiful ball, right? And he had the stats to back it up. He yeah. looked good doing it. That's why he was MVP. Justin Herbert, again, six five, big, mobile, certainly valuable. But honorable mention, I would say Patrick Mahomes um, would be the most valuable player. So our pick is Justin Herbert because that's how the league awards its MVPs. But I don't think Pat Mahomes is a terrible choice um, considering that if you take him off that roster, it, it uh, kind of goes really, they're, they're really probably, south. They're probably the worst team in that division. 100%. They're probably under 500. Yeah, he's he is so good that he keeps that team top of the division and competing for a playoff spot. And not that they don't have talent, but he's that good. And well, so I mean, with, take it back to pre-Patrick Mahomes. Back. What were the Chiefs? Uh, you know, they were about 9-8 and eight sneaking into the playoffs. Well, they were back then it was like 9-7 and seven sneaking yeah. into the playoffs. And, and battling in almost right. every game. Right. Now it's, you know, you see the Chiefs against, I'd say, 70% of the league. Oh, that's Kansas City. Kansas City, yep. And you look at the... The, the line I mean, the is line, like, you know... Vegas knows it minus too. Minus five and a half, I mean, which you, is crazy. And you don't bet against, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in September, October, you, you, they don't, don't, lose. don't lose. They just don't lose. Um, okay, Offensive Player of the Year. Let's go with Devontae Adams. Uh, first of all, I think him reuniting with mm. his you know, former quarterback. They're saying, uh, it's not Aaron throwing him the ball, so who? let's see. Derek Carr is a really, really good quarterback. Is he Rodgers? No. But have they played together before? Yes. Is the familiarity going to be there? Yes. And I think those two, after having developed and then their, cross pa- uh, their paths cross again, I think they're going to be insane. Yeah. I, I think he's going to go for 1,700 yards, 16 touchdowns. Like, I think yeah. it's going to be one of the best seasons as a wide receiver that we've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, on this show already today, I've talked about how uh, a quarterback can elevate his receivers. Well, in this instance, I almost feel a little bit the opposite way, too, where Devontae Adams is so good. He's going to be able to elevate Derek Carr because he's going to get open by five to 
10 more yards he, than, than Derek Carr is used to throwing to. He's got the best footwork in the league. Um, he's going to have just, he's going to be wide open a lot, and that's going to make life easy for Derek Carr. And he's an NFL quarterback at minimum is going to be able to get him the ball. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Devontae Adams makes so much sense at that uh, offensive player spot. I agree. Let's go to defensive player of the year. I think Khalil Mack. And I think here's a, here's a reason why. Um, I said it when we were going over the divisions. The Chargers are going to lead in a lot of football games, right? Which means other teams are going to be having to throw the football a lot. A ton. That's a lot of opportunity for Khalil Mack to get to the quarterback. And also, now these opposite Bosa oh. is going to be insane. And here's the thing. He's more talented, probably, than Joey Bosa. And so out of the two, I think he's going to get more sacks. I mean, you could look up, he'll probably have about 18 sacks. And he's a really good run stopper as well. Um and he punched out the football, you know, up there with T.J. Watt as best in the league. Uh, so I, I think defensive player of the year. Plus, not that this isn't a good division defensively, but I mean it's not super strong. You know, I, mean, I mean, good defense in in uh, Denver, but it's more of a team defense. Yeah. Kansas City is not a great defense. Chris Jones, their best player, good, not not special. He's probably more of a B plus defensive lineman. Um, and uh, what do they have in in? Uh, in what Vegas? I almost said Oakland. You know, Chandler Jones is good, but he's not Khalil Mack. No, he's and, not Khalil Mack. And I think the value on an edge rusher like that, especially in this division against this caliber of quarterbacks, yeah. you have to make them uncomfortable. These guys are if, you, if these guys are comfortable. If Russell Wilson's comfortable and he doesn't have to scramble around, if uh, you know Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to move a little bit, if Derek Carr can be a statue and throw from the pocket, it's gonna get ugly. Yeah. And it's going to get really ugly, especially in these divisional games. So having somebody to go get that passer is of the utmost importance, especially when you live in the AFC West. I agree. All right, breakout player. Let's go with Patrick Sertan. I think he's actually Patrick Sertan Jr. or the second or the third, whatever. Um, the DB from Denver. I think he had a pretty good rookie season. I think he's going to be fantastic. He was one of the more technically sound corners that we've seen in the last, like, five-ish years. And I think as he continues to grow into his body, keep maturing – I think he's going to be a really, really good DB. Long arms, athletic, got some speed, had a pick six last year. Um, I think you could look up and he could quietly be in the top five in picks. Yeah. He's going to be their you know, their best corner. Um, we'll go Pat Sertan for breakout player of the year. Any arguments there? You, you, no. I, I, I mean, that's going to be a really tough position to play. And I think oh, the yeah. value there, especially in – division with the these AFC guys that like we just talked about. I mean, you got guys with cannons that are going to be throwing over your head all day. And good so, wide receivers, too. Oh, really good wide receivers mm-hmm. to match up against. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I do like him for the breakout. I do worry with him on Devontae Adams twice a year, but we'll see. They'll probably bracket him, I would guess. All right, Coach of the Year, I, I think I'd be lying to you, and we, we would be unjust in saying that <laughs> any other coach is better than Andy Reid in this division. Mm, yeah. At the end of the day, so, I mean, look around. You have two rookie head coaches and a second-year head coach who made some questionable decisions, Brandon Staley. Right? It's weird. We have a lot of really good rosters in this division. Only one, like, true, bona fide, really, really good head coach, Andy Reid. Right. Brandon Staley, we like him. Yeah. But he made some really bad decisions. Really gutsy. Really gutsy. Go for it type of guy. I, I mean, <laughs> a lot of them didn't pay off. And I don't mind the gutsiness, but at the end of the day, they got to pay off. Um. Yeah. You can't be making stupid decisions and throwing right. that type of thing away, especially when you have points that you can take. The, I mean, when you can take a field goal and take three points in the NFL, most of the times you do. Most games end with a three to four point differential anyway. So, you know, you try to get them when you can. Right. And people are like, oh, you know, it's, it's one decision here or there. Like, you know, it's, it's a coin flip. Like, if it goes right, he's a hero. If it goes wrong, he's not. It's like, right. But when well, there's yeah, a that's, slew. That's, but yeah. Well, yes. that. But it's also like. I mean, yeah, they're, they're big boy decisions. That's why he's a big boy NFL head coach yes. making big boy money. Like, those are the decisions that, at the end of the day, they have to pay off. We can sit here and be like, oh, we appreciate the aggressiveness. At the end of the day, they got they either pay off or they don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you're, either, you're either making decisions to win and they're leading to wins, or they're not. No, I 100% the NFL, agree. The NFL isn't like, oh, but he had a good heart doing it. Like, he had great intentions to be aggressive. No, they either – you end up winning the game or you don't win the game. Period. End of story. That was way too good of a roster to miss the playoffs. Oh, 100%. We got um, sidetracked there for a second, though. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I 100% agree with you. I mean, like, when you are making those gutsy types of calls like you have to do when you're coaching in the NFL, 
if you're gonna keep calling it, you gotta at least have it pan out a couple of times. I mean, you can't just have a whole record of, oh yeah, we, we're just a go for it kind of team. Oh really? How often do you does it 30%. like work out for you? Uh, you know, every like other Thursday night football game, so yeah, like, just like, like once <laughs> every like, two years. Yeah, yeah, no, no, like like twenty percent of the time. Yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, Andy Reid is the coach of the year in this division. Like I said, Brandon Staley, we like him. We don't know yet. McDaniel's is a rookie. Um, well. Technically, no, technically he's not a rookie. He's been a head coach before, but in this scenario, kind of a rookie. Um, and then obviously Nathaniel Hackett in Denver being a rookie as well. But uh, I think you guys stopped by for well, the – We got the full list here oh, wait, the full to list. run back okay. through it. Uh, we got uh, the MVP at um, – I have it written down in front of me. Wow, just forget that. Okay, we got Jay Herb, MVP. <laughs> Honorable mention, Pat Mahomes. Offensive player of the year, Devontae Adams. Fair. Defensive player of the year, Khalil Mack. He's a beast. Breakout, Patrick Sertan, the DB from uh, Denver. And coach of the year, the esteemed Andy Reid. Thank you guys for listening to the second segment of the issue. Come back for the third, where we will go through 10 through 6 of the top 25 quarterbacks of the last 50 years. we got some legends on this list. I'm pretty sure all of them are Hall of Famers. You're not going to want to miss it. What's up? We are back. It is the issue. It is our third segment here on Friday, July 15th. Uh, we have our fourth installment now of the top 25 quarterbacks of the last 50 years, five decades in the making this list. Um, so we have numbers 10 through 6. We're getting closer. One week left until the entire list is revealed. Uh, these top, like these 6 through 10, I mean... It's just really difficult. Fantastic We're getting quarterbacks. I mean, you are actually splitting hairs when you're sitting here trying to decide who goes above who. Um, remarkable careers from from these five quarterbacks. I'm looking at the top five and I'm just like, <laughs> Jesus, good lord. I know it's going to be next week is going to be a, a really good week. I mean, even here alone. So we got two, three, six. We got a lot. Plus four. That's ten. But we have 13 Super Bowls combined with these next five. Wow. Well, I'm sorry, 10 Super Bowls, three NFL championships. We got somebody that's a little bit older. Yeah. Pre Super Bowl era. And that's even 50 years ago. Isn't that It's about 50 years ago, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, well, that was before 50 years ago, but the guy in question retired like 48, 49 years so ago. He, so he, he makes the cut. Barely, yeah. But we'll get to that. That's number seven. Um, so, yes, we have our next five quarterbacks, numbers 10 through. Uh, six. six. So let's get going on that. Okay, number ten. Let's go, Roger Staubach, the Cowboys quarterback in the seventies. Well, other than that, but that was that was his prime, right? So he's a two-time Super Bowl champion. He's a one-time Super Bowl MVP. He's a one-time Second Team All-Pro. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. He's been on the All-Century team. Um, he was on the seventies All-Decade team. So here's the here's the thing about Roger that nobody knows, right? He was a huge part in making that brand what it is today. And I think that's noteworthy, right? He was the original America's quarterback. He served his country, came back, and took an average team, and won two Super Bowls with him with a legendary coach. I mean, that that made that brand, and he was a huge building block. I mean, the league is 150% different without Roger Staubach in it. With him, without him having the success he did for the Cowboys, this league looks completely different. Who knows if Jerry, you know, what, what this looks like, right? Who knows if... Jimmy Johnson ends up taking this job. Who knows what that means for Troy Aikman, who we'll talk about in a little bit, right? All these things, everything could be completely different, right? The Cowboys aren't a big brand without him. Who knows how much they win at all without Roger Staubach, right? Without them on the map like that, is that success, like I said, continued on to Aikman? Do they get, you know, Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, etc.? There's so many questions. And if Roger Staubach doesn't come out and be an ultimate winner... None of that happens, and the league looks completely different, right? Roger at 10 might be slightly overvalued, but he was one of the biggest winners in the NFL, in NFL's, the the history of the league. And he's been one of the biggest faces of the biggest brand in in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you you, you can't argue it, and you can't tell the story of the NFL without... Talking about Roger Starbuck. Oh, what's the Starbuck. point? You can't tell. You can't tell a story about any of these guys. But I get yeah, even more so than more guys. I yeah. completely agree. Um, the whole landscape of even the geography of where top players come from. Like, without him, do you think football in uh, Texas? West Texas is that big? Maybe not. Same thing. You could say the same thing about Aikman, but he was before Aikman, so I, yeah. I agree. It's the preset. It's everything that brought that culture together. Is him. 
I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, number nine, let's go Brett Favre. So he's a one-time Super Bowl champ. He's a three-time MVP, one-time Offensive Player of the Year, three-time second-team All-Pro, three-time first-team All-Pro. Yep. He's fourth all-time in touchdowns. He's fourth all-time in yards, fitting for a guy who wore number four. <laughs> um, Favre was the ultimate competitor, right? I, I, nobody remembers this, though. But the Packers were terrible before Favre got there. Out of the 22 previous seasons before Brett Favre, they only had nine winning seasons, only two playoff appearances, and in both they were one and done. They hadn't won a playoff game in 22 years before Brett Favre. He gets there, and then the next 11 seasons with Favre, they have one losing season. They miss the playoffs only four times. They win a Super Bowl, and they be, they be, or they come really, really close to a second. Um, and here's the thing about Favre that a lot of people don't don't think about. He was kind of one of the first gunslinger type of quarterbacks. Um, he kind of pushed the envelope a little bit, right? He was undersized, undervalued, and he said, you know what? No. And he was a gunslinger. He went out there. He was the ultimate competitor. Another one of those America's quarterbacks. And I think also, yes, the, the Packers have always been a great brand, but they were down in the dumps. And let's also remember that he kind of fostered, I mean, he didn't like it, but he kind of, made a little bit of what we see today with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And you can't deny that at all. Do we really think Aaron is a Hall of Famer without Brett Favre? Um, There's a chance, but it was the chance was certainly increased by Brett Favre. Yes. I'm just saying. Um, he made he made um, Mike Holmgren, a, uh, who it was the coach when he won that Super Bowl, he made him a Hall of Famer. You don't think he's a Hall of Famer without him? I, think he, I, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer without that Super Bowl. Brett Favre was one of those guys that that fought back a little bit when they drafted Aaron though. He didn't want to he didn't want to help out. He didn't feel it was his job. And he was actually one of the first quarterbacks to do that, right? And most quarterbacks, you know, they took him under their wing, all yeah. that type of stuff. He's you know, I don't judge him for it. No. Whatever, Brett Favre at nine. I think also one of the, one of the things that comes uh, comes into a to play here is the eye test, right? And they I think the eye test is important. It's not everything, but I do, I do think it's a piece of evidence, right? Just like all this is. Just like the resumes that I state as soon as I say the name, right? Just like, you know, all time in yards. Just like, um, you know, how they get there, right? We'll get to a guy here at number six who had his prime was so fantastic that we talk about that, right? All these are pieces to the story, pieces of yeah. evidence. Yeah. And I think the eye test with Favre is, is important. I mean, a gunslinger, one of the best arms in history. Number eight, let's go Troy Aikman. He was also one of the best arms in history. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's a one-time Super Bowl MVP. He's a six-time Pro Bowler. And he's pretty much on this list for one reason, and it's those. He was a winner. And he was the head of one of the best dynasties in football history. Oh, that was... The 90s Cowboys. Crazy. They win in 92, 93, and 95. That is one of the best primes of all time. He's big. He was almost ahead of his time, right? He's big, strong, athletic. He could move. He had a big arm. Straight up winner, period, and I think that lands him in the top ten ahead of some other legends. Is eight too high? You, I, you could, you know, you could argue me. I don't think he falls outside the top ten. No. I think at worst he's a top ten quarterback of all time. Yeah, um, I mean, playing at that level for that a brand team. like that with that team on that stage, and really, that's when they adopted America's team as everybody loved the Cowboys yeah or, or yep. you hated them it was they were such a polarizing team you but, tuned in to watch though but those are the best kind of teams I mean you Especially can sit here and talk league. about how yeah you can sit here and talk about how much you hate that New England won like six years in a row it seems like not really but that's what it seems like but that dynasty you either loved them or you hated them and the rivalries were great because of it and the league did great because of it you and Troy Aikman led one of the best of them you either tuned in to watch them, uh, to root them on, or you tuned in to watch them lose. Yeah. Either way, you're giving them you're a rating. You're watching that game. Period. All right, number seven, Johnny Unitas. He is the one that is barely makes the cutoff. Uh, you know, looking back, maybe we should have done just Super Bowl era, but at the end of the day, he did win a Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era. He's a one-time Super Bowl champion, three-time NFL champion. So it wasn't the Super Bowl yet. But it was right before the cutoff, so we're going to count it. That's basically four Super Bowls we'll go with. He's a three-time MVP, five-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro. He's a ten-time Pro Bowler. He's 17th all-time in touchdowns. And get this, in a league where they barely passed, he's tied for fifth all-time in yards. Wow. Fifth all-time in yards, barely makes the cutoff. Like I said, he retired 48, 49 years ago, something like that. But he's got four championships. One was a Super Bowl, the other, you know, like I said, the other three. Um, three MVPs is ridiculous. The All-Pros are impressive. And like I said, in a league where nobody passed, he's fifth all-time. 
That's that's just insane to me. And, and you know what I mean? He was the first all-time great quarterback, I think. He was the first guy where you're like, oh, he's an all-timer. Like, like yeah, YA, Tittle, and, uh, you know, and company are great. They, that's fine. The, they're not Johnny Unitas. No. They're just not. He was the first glamorous, really big, all-time great quarterback. I think that lands him at seventh. Could he be overvalued because he was so, you know, played so long ago? Yes, but I think it translates. Fifth all-time in yards, and he played that long ago in the 50s and 60s? Right, it's almost that's like impressive. you have to calculate inflation now, like what things used to be worth and what they are now. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what we had to do with Johnny Unitas here. But, yeah, he fits 100%. I mean, altogether four championships moves you way up the list. Right off the bat, I agree. Uh, it's a, it's I don't a sport care if that's measured on winning. Yeah, I, I don't care if it's Super Bowl era. Obviously, we're going to weigh Super Bowl era a little heavier, heavier than than the just the, like the NFL champion, or it wasn't in the NFL, just the football. Yeah, no, it was it, it was the NFL, was, but there was also the AFL. Oh, that's, that's why right. there was a, okay. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Anyway, okay, number six. Um, this is a guy who was one of my favorites of all time, Steve Young. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He's a one-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time league MVP, one-time Offensive Player of the Year. Three-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. He's 32nd all-time in touchdowns, but when scaled the games played, he's tw- uh, top 20 in touchdowns. That's not even counting his rushing touchdowns. He's another all-time winner. And here's the main reason he's on here. That prime that he he went on a run that I don't think we'll ever see again. His prime burned so hot that he deserves to be here. His prime is a top five prime of all time. Starting in 92, he goes on a seven-year tear in which he goes 77-24 and 24, with an average pass rating of 102, a TD to interception ratio of 2.6 to 1. It was an unbelievable run, and I think that lands him top 10. Maybe 6 is too high, but you cannot argue outside of the top 10. That is one of the best all-time seven-year runs in the history Crazy. of the NFL, Crazy. period. I won't hear an argument against it. No. I'm just not going to take it. Steve Young one, one of the best seven-year runs of all time. Steve Young at six. The latest installment of our top 25 quarterbacks of the last 50 years. Steve Young at six. Unitas at seven. Aikman at eight. Favre at nine. And Staubach at ten. Yeah. Uh, those guys are absolutely all-time greats but that is all we have for you guys today that rounds out this episode guys thank you for listening go check us out we have stuff posted all the time on instagram twitter tiktok all those links can be found off of our link tree uh that link is in the description of the episode uh, either on you know youtube spotify apple podcast doesn't matter where it is that link is there go follow it go give us a follow subscribe we really appreciate it and guys thank you for listening to the issue <laughs>